Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and today I am joined by the Yoga Hour's founder, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We'll be discussing Kriya Yoga, sharing some insights and time-tested practices from this ancient system. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that is familiar to most people today, but often it's thought of in a very limited way as only perhaps a system of exercise or stretching, but it actually is a Sanskrit word. Yoga means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Our topic today is Meditate for Good. How does meditation support our health, well-being, and spiritual growth? How can we create a meditation routine that's easy and rewarding? So today we'll be discussing how meditation can transform your relationships, your health, and about the most important benefit of meditation, self and God realization. As many listeners know, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien is the founder and host of the Yoga Hour. She is an internationally acclaimed spiritual teacher, author, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center with headquarters in San Jose, California. Yogacharya teaches nationally and internationally and has received several community service awards, including the 2015 Mahatma Gandhi Award for the Promotion of Religious Pluralism. She's currently offering a year-long online course called Dharma 365, which is a comprehensive immersion in Dharma studies and practices for discovering your higher purpose and living it every day with heart and meaning. Her websites are ellengraceobrien.com and csecenter.org. <clears throat> so welcome, Yogacharya, or Umaji. I'm delighted that we can have this conversation today here on the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much for um, facilitating this conversation uh, today. I'm really looking forward to it and the opportunity to dive more deeply into this topic of meditation, what it can mean for our lives. So I'm uh, delighted to be back and um, just send all my good wishes to those who tune in to the Yoga Hour. So before we begin our discussion about meditation, why don't we actually meditate, have a brief moment here where we connect uh, with ourselves, and would you be willing to lead us in that meditation? 
Sure, I'd be happy to do that. And, and it seems like just the right thing, doesn't it? Better to meditate than talk about meditation. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, please join me for a moment. With the simple chant of Om, the primordial sound, the word, that which represents the energy, the divine energy, consciousness and power pervading all of life with the chanting of that simple mantra, Om. We begin to cultivate the awareness of the omnipresent divine reality. Om, that in which we live and move and have our being. The beauty of chanting Om, the ease of chanting Om. We begin to center ourselves in that awareness of one life, one power, and one presence around us, within us, as us. Om. We are immersed in that. So let us simply become aware of our breath, feel the in-breath as it flows in gently through our nostrils, the cool air coming in, filling the lungs, the abdomen, the warmer air going out again, and the breath itself, om. Om, with each out-breath, Om, just relaxing into being. So you can inwardly chant, mentally chant Om with each in-breath and without, with each out-breath. Om, Om. And notice as you mentally chant and attend to your breath how the mental field begins to become calm and quiet. And whenever you're ready, you can let go of chanting Om mentally. Let go of attending to your breath and just allow your attention and awareness to expand beyond the mantra, beyond thought. And simply be awake and aware in this meditative moment. And let us gather up the peace that is inherent to our being. Take that peace now and offer it, offer it to all of life, to all beings. And as Paramahansa Yogananda suggested, let us decide to take that peace, peace of our soul, our portable peace with us into every interaction ahead of us today. And we conclude with chanting Om another time. 
Thank you so much. That was really beautiful. And I can't think of a better way to start our reflections on meditation than actually meditating. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm so happy that you could come back and uh, we could have this conversation, this continuing conversation on uh, Dharma. So far, we've had, I believe, three episodes, and we've talked about, the first one was about the four goals for spiritually conscious living, purpose, abundance, pleasure, and freedom. And we then talked about how to live with higher purpose. And then the third one was about how to live a dharmic life. If listeners miss those shows, they are available in our archive at unity.fm slash the yoga hour. So as we start this conversation, let's go back to the four goals of life. So can you summarize those four goals and why we would want to pursue them? Oh, uh, yes, of course. The, the Vedas, uh, the Vedic teachings offer uh, four universal goals for human life that have to do with arranging conditions, um, being intentional in how we live so that while we're here in this current incarnation, we can uh, fulfill our potential. So the first goal uh, is dharma. And uh, <coughs> dharma means uh, many things. Um, it it People often translate it as purpose. It can mean duty. It can mean the way of righteousness. And in its largest sense, Dharma is the, the supreme order of the universe. It, it, the core meaning of the word is what holds together. So it's this uh, intelligence, this, this power, this divine order, this um, cosmic uh, intelligence and plan that that sees to the orderly functioning of the universe. And then that is what gives rise to, you know, spiritual um, and ethical codes to live by and moral codes to live by, which is all dharmic. In other words, you know, how do you live in an orderly way and in the highest way, how do you live uh, in accordance with spiritual principle. So, Dharma is about living with purpose, but in particular about living with higher purpose. And then the, what's usually put forth as the second goal is Arta, which is uh, translated as wealth. And it, it, it is, um, our ability to prosper and specifically to learn how to attract and work with uh, resources that are necessary to fulfill our purpose. So, um, it, you know, fulfilling our purpose in life, living in the highest way, doing what we're here to do to contribute what is ours to contribute doesn't, you know, happen automatically. <laughs> we have to learn to cooperate with the infinite and we have to learn how to prosper in order to do that. So, um, that we can contribute uh, so we can take care of ourselves and fulfill our you know duties and responsibilities to those around us we can contribute uh, to the well-being of all so we need to learn how to prosper uh, in order to do that and that is <clears throat> Arta the second uh, of the four universal goals and the third is Kama which is pleasure and um, that just holds up so beautifully that we're here to enjoy life Life, that the, uh, the the true nature of the soul is is bliss is ananda or joy and so if we can learn to live a life that is closest to the soul to live from the soul we are naturally going to live in joy so it's important um, to learn how um, to live a fulfilled life that can connect us with the with the soul's bliss, and then the last um, goal is moksha or liberation, which is um, really enlightenment. You know, complete uh, freedom in this lifetime, freedom from you know ego based identity, being awake and living the awakened life. 
Yes, and I particularly appreciate in our um, in Kriya Yoga, as brought to the United States by Paramahansa Yogananda, I really appreciate how um, liberation is something that's accessible to everyone. It's not something that's just for um, the few. Yeah, well, it's helpful, isn't it, to um, have it held up as the goal of life. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, people are confused about, you know, what they're here for. You know, Parmanzaji said, you, you know, life is not what you think it is. You know, this, this life, you know, the purpose of this life is not ordinarily what people think it is. You know, people, you know, think in terms of more mundane um, goals in life, whether it's, you know, achieving success in a profession, um, you know, raising a, a family, becoming famous, you know, all those things. And, you know, those things may happen and they're, uh, and they may be useful, um, and can be part of your dharma, but, but the greatest goal is, is to wake up. And so, yes, it, 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 it's useful for us to know that, isn't it? So we can, we can start to focus our, our attention and, and start to arrange conditions in our life so we don't complicate things so much that, that that goal, um, seems forever out of reach. Mm-hmm. So turning to our conversation topic today of meditation, how does meditation then relate to this goal of liberation? Well, if we, if we look at, you know, what the, uh, what the essence of liberation is, it's what, you know, what are, you know, we think, what are we being liberated from and what are we liberated to or for? And, you know, we are liberated from, uh, what in Sanskrit is called avidya or, you know, this primary error of identifying with the, uh, changing body and mind, you know, thinking that we are, um, the physical body, thinking that we are the ego or even the intellect. So liberation is liberation from that as we learn that we are, uh, spiritual beings, you know, we are, uh, that is our essential nature, spirit, and it is that light of supreme consciousness, that which we are, which, you know, um, empowers the body and mind to function, but we are not that, so liberation is liberation from that, it's liberation from being overly um, influenced by the elements of nature or the patterns uh, in our mind, you know, uh, so when you begin to meditate, you, you know, one of the first things that happens, which is just, you know, wonderful, is that you experience your essence of being. You, you can see that, that you, uh, observe the mental field. And so if you study that a little bit, you'll understand that, uh, you are the observer, you know, and we are not, you know, anything that we can observe. So we observe the body, we observe the mind. And that's one of the things that happens right away in meditation. And of course, it's one of the greatest frustrations for people. They think, oh, you know, I'm trying to meditate and I just, you know, my mind is, you know, my thoughts are so busy. But, you know, it's helpful if you, if you can say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm observing the mind. What is it that's observing? And so begin to put your attention on the observer rather than on the thoughts. So, Meditation helps us initially, you know, right away, um, have that direct experience of what we are. And then over time, it purifies the mental field. Um, you know, I, you know, I would explain that by sort of, it's like it's turning on a light inside, you know, brings more luminosity to the mental field. So we're more aware of what's arising in the mental field. So we're more aware of a reaction, for example, that arises, um, whereas previous to meditation, perhaps we're just acting on that reaction. So meditation turns on the light, lets us see, oh, you know, here's something I'm inclined to say that may not be too useful. So that, that gives us some ability to, you know, be liberated from that reactive nature. 
Um, and then over time, you know, further purification of the mental field through meditation will keep those um, pesky uh, reactions from <laughs> from arising. So, yeah. You know, indeed. And, and as you were talking, I was uh, reflecting on my own experience of the, the space that's created through meditation, where there's a, there's a space where as you do become quiet inside, you realize as you're reflecting on your, or you're just aware of your thoughts from that point of, of the witness, of witness, you know, consciousness, then it's that space that is created between you and your thoughts. And you realize, oh, I'm not my thoughts, which are changing, you know, a, a, mile, a mile a minute. Um, and that same space of, you know, from bodily sensations. And then that, that space is then what allows that little bit of reflection instead of getting triggered into an immediate reaction by something. It, you know, it creates that space. Exactly. And the, and the other thing I was going to add about that in terms of liberation. So we, we begin to um, be able to discern, you know, we don't have to act on every thought. We don't have to believe every thought. We don't have to act on every impulse that's arriving in the, uh, arising in the mental field. But also what becomes clear to us is our intuition. Um, and that is very profound. So, you know, we begin to discern more deeply our innate uh, omnipresent connection to uh, the oversoul, you know, to the greater reality. So, so we begin to, you know, have hunches of things that are coming our way or, you know, insights, um, answers, um, you know, to prayers or dilemmas you've been contemplating um, also arise in the mental field. So it's not just, you know, we, we have this um, facility to, um, you know, not follow or let go of what's negative. We also have uh, uh, have this facility arise uh, from meditation that allows us to see more clearly positive uh, insights, uh, intuitive knowing, um, uh, deeper discernment, clarity of mind. So it's very useful in that way as well. Oh, indeed. So, over the last 10 or 20 years, there's been a a lot of active research on the benefits of meditation for our health, and that has resulted in a long list of conditions that can be improved or prevented by having a meditation practice. So, to name just a few, these include high blood pressure, anxiety, heart disease, and chronic stress. In the teachings of yoga, we learn that meditation leads to much more than physical health. When we first start learning about meditation, we think that meditation is the time we take to sit quietly each day. Then we get up and go on with our lives. But in the online course, the Dharma 365 course, you say, when we are serious about living a spiritually conscious life, we recognize that meditation is a way of life. It is something that we do for good, for always. So what do you mean when you say that meditation is a way of life? Mm. Well, meditation practice, if you're sincere about it and you take a vow to practice, um, a commitment to practice, um, it's really a tool for clarifying awareness and it 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 works in conjunction with the way that we um, arrange other conditions in our life. So, for example, you're talking about the research that shows how, you know, meditation can have a positive effect on our health, which, of course, it can. You know, a lot of people use it, um, you know, to reduce stress. You know, we have so many people who work in high-stress environments today and um, the research is very strong that just taking a meditation break during the day will uh, have a very positive effect on blood pressure and such things like that. However, um, meditation in and of itself um, can't change all those conditions in our life. So, um, if if you are a sincere meditator, as I was explaining earlier, you, you begin to... Um, see, you know, have more insights into the way that you are living. 
you know, um, the mind is quieter. You begin to um, have more um, intellectual discernment. You begin to have more intuitive awareness. And that leads to making positive changes in life. So the two really have to work together. Um, if you want to lead a dharmic life, if you want to fulfill your purpose in this lifetime, um, meditation it really becomes um you know a tool to help us uh live in the highest way so it's not just that we meditate every day and we have some benefits from that meditation it, it sort of sets us on the course for arranging other conditions in our life to live in harmony uh with the soul So in the Kriya Yoga lineage, we're taught about self and God realization. So can you talk about that for a minute? What does that mean, self and God realization? And what relation does it have to meditation? I was thinking about, um, you know, as you said that, can you talk about self and God realization? <laughs> oh, yeah. In like 30 seconds, just give me a brief recap. <laughs> well, and, you know, not, oh, not only that, you know, can you, can you talk about soup? Well, yeah, I can talk about soup. Um, you know, I could talk about carrot soup. I can say, you know, it's orange and it has kind of a sweet taste, kind of a tangy taste. Sometimes you put curry in it and that, that contributes to the tang and, um, it has a, uh, you can have a, a creamy texture to it <laughs> and a little bit of a salty aftertaste to the sweet. So, you know, all of this I can describe, you know, but if you, uh, taste carrot soup, of course, then you know what carrot soup is. And that's really the goal that we have for meditation and spiritually conscious living, which is to directly experience the self, to know uh, what we are, because that is what is transformative. It's, it's, you know, to intellectually understand, you know, that we are not the body, we're not the mind, we're spiritual beings. We are that self. That's a capital S, not the ego self. That means that the divine self, um, that one reality, which is the self of all, we're spiritual beings. That is, you know, realizing that. So we can know about it, you know, as we talk about it, you know, study about it, um, but talking about it is not it. And, um, so it takes the direct experience of it to, to realize it, to know, you can know about it, but then uh, to experience directly is to, is to realize it. And, and I was reading the other day about, uh, Ramana Maharshi, the great, uh, sage of, uh, South India, and of course you and I went to his ashram, and that was a beautiful experience um, there in South India. But, um, you know, people uh, really think of, when they think of, generally when they think of uh, Ramana Maharshi, they, they think of the practice that people associate with him of self-inquiry, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, to practice the meditation of inquiring, you know, who am I, you know, uh, which is what I was suggesting earlier, you know, instead of looking at the thoughts, look at the self <laughs> that's looking at the thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, who am I, who is this I, you know, that is experiencing, that is seeing. So he's very famous for that practice, but when this person who had studied with him was, you know, talking ab- about him and his practice, he said um, that um, Ramana Maharshi did not hold that as, as the primary practice. He he held that the primary practice is silence. Mm. And, of course, if you've ever seen a photograph of him or a photograph of Paramahansa Yogananda, for that matter, you can tell, you know, those who abide in the deep silence of the soul because mm-hmm. it that's transmitted even in seeing their photograph. So... For self-realization, the best um, place to go <laughs> is into the cave of silence. And, you know, people say, well, oh, you know, I can't get silent. My mind is so chatty. You know, it goes all the time. But, you know, if you sit long enough and... uh 
and intend to abide in that silence of the soul, it it comes. And with that, unbelievably, we've already come to the break. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with our special guest today, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Please join us. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour and our conversation about meditating for good. So, Yogacharya, as we come back from the break, we're, we're getting close to the one-year anniversary of the publication of your latest book of poetry, The Moon Reminded Me. And I would love to hear one of your poems as we come back to our discussion on meditation. Can mm. you share one with us? Thank you. Um, thanks for the reminder about the anniversary of the book coming out. And, of course, many of the poems in the book are... Uh, about meditation and meditation experiences and um I, I'll actually read two short ones and um the first one is called Sandhya and um Sanjay is a Sanskrit term for the transitional hours and so that um the time of sunrise especially in the morning is considered uh, an auspicious time for meditation and if you get up before the sun comes up and you you know step outside or even of course inside you can experience but it's stronger outside you experience the meditative quality in the atmosphere itself and in the earth itself um the, sometimes uh, yogis call this the hour of Brahm, meaning the hour of God. Um, and so to be up when the sun is coming up and you can feel and experience and be infused with that solar light that begins to cover the earth. And, you know, we are not separate from nature, from the earth. And so um, this light that is comes up and illumines uh, everything and begins to wake up. You know, the birds begin to sing, um, plants turn towards 
to the light. It also, of course, um, it, it was reflected in our own mental field, you know, this, this light, and we can uh, connect to it. So this poem is called Sanja, um, referring to that auspicious time to meditate at dawn. Um, Sanja, listen. Lark sings as day begins and when it ends. The tide of gratitude flows in. Senses bow before the one. This is the hour. Enter the temple of I am that. Grace is being dispensed. Take prasad. Ambrosia of now, nectar of surrender. It will sweeten your tongue, render you speechless, make you sing. So, you know, here, of course, this poem is about meditation, the first thing in the day, and that deep listening of meditation and feeling uh, the arising of energy, of shakti, gratitude, of opening our hearts and our minds, the senses becoming uh, restrained, quiet, bowing before this uh, infinite divine presence, and entering the the temple of now, the present moment, is where, of course, our meditation occurs when the mind stops moving between the past and the future. So we enter um, the present moment and experience, you know, I am that, with a capital T, I am that divine reality. I am supreme consciousness. And we have um, communion, you know, we have communion with the one. And that is referred to in the poem as prasad, you know, in um, uh, a a spiritual uh, ritual. um, Prasad is the fruit, the flowers that is offered to the deity um, during the ritual and then consumed at, at the end by uh, the one who has offered or those who are uh, attending the ceremony. And it's usually something sweet, a sweet fruit. And prasad means grace. Mm. And so, you know, often when I meditate, I cultivate um, this feeling that I am sitting uh, in the grace-bestowing presence, because that is the nature of this higher reality that we call God, that it is um, imbued with this uh, overflowing grace. So, you can cultivate the felt sense that when you're meditating, you are, you know, just is sitting in this grace-bestowing presence. Like, I don't know, like you could sit under a waterfall, right, and have Mm. it just wash over you. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, not only to simply relax and clear the mind, but also to profoundly open your heart to your essence of being and to feel the gifted, the profoundly gifted and grace-filled nature of your life. Mm. So, um, the next poem is called uh, In the Heart is a Well, and I often read this one when I'm teaching meditation because it is about the meditative experience and, you know, pointing to it. In the heart, and here, of course, I'm not talking about the physical heart, I'm talking about um, our uh, essence of being as the heart, the deepest reality of that which we are. In the heart is a well, filled with the sound of silence. In the heart is a well filled with the sound of silence. Drink from it. One taste changes everything. How do I know? The day I stopped sitting on the edge and fell in told me this. 
So there's several things in this poem, of course. Um, it begins with, you know, pointing us to mm, considering that the experience of meditation is one of, of fullness, of fullness. Um, that the silence that we enter into, um, you mentioned wholeness, you know, being restored to wholeness. It's a sense of completeness and fullness. It's filled with uh, bliss, with peace. So we're, we're entering into this silence that is, that is full. And when we taste that, you know, here I'm talking about the experience of the self that I mentioned earlier about self-realization, self-knowing. When we taste that, when we have direct experience of it, that is what is transformative. That's what's transformative about meditation. And we don't know that until we stop thinking about it, until uh, until we actually have the graceful experience of falling in. Um, and 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 having that direct experience of the fullness, the wholeness of the self. As you were saying earlier, not just talking about soup, but actually, you know, experiencing the soup, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that direct experience. So many people may think it's a good idea to have a meditation practice, but they just don't know how to begin. So let's let's talk about that for a bit. What What is your advice about how to start a meditation practice? Uh the best thing I know is to intend um, to practice every day, to decide you're going to practice meditation and you're going to sit every day for a period of time. So you pick a time of day, pick an amount of time. You know, it's a good, 20 minutes is considered a good time to be, you know, for a very beginner, 20 to 30 minutes set aside that you're going to just sit every day and you're going to practice and keep it simple. So decide, keep it simple and make it a daily uh, commitment and, and make it um, a regular Place, you know, so don't switch it around. Don't switch around, you know, your how you're meditating or where you're meditating. Um, keep it steady because the goal, of course, is to steady the mind. So if you're trying to figure out, you know, which mantra you should use, which technique, you know, you think, oh, this isn't working. You know, my mind is too busy. Let me try another mantra. Then pretty soon, you know, when you sit, you know, a lot of your thinking is about, well, which technique should I use? So, you know, they're all good. They're all fine. Just pick one, you know, and do that. Um, and the simplest technique, of course, is simply to observe your breath. But you know, decide to meditate, keep it simple. And a third thing I would say is, is know that at the, that you are already super conscious. And, and by that, yeah, I mean, you know, that's our essence of being. That's, that's what we are. We are spiritual beings who are, um, super conscious. That's, that's our essence, always awake, always aware. And in that sense, always meditating. Mm-hmm. So, you already meditate, you already know how to meditate. And, and if you think about it, you've probably had various moments of meditation in your life when the mind became quiet and, um, you were, you know, profoundly aware when your awareness had become, uh, focused and heightened. Um, uh, and you shifted, you know, from that ordinary consciousness where you're caught up in thought activity. So decide you're going to do it. And pick a place and a time, keep it simple, and know that meditation is nothing foreign to you. It's, it's natural. It's, it's your, it's the ground of your being. And you're just going to sit long enough until, you know, that reveals itself to you. Hmm. Well, that was, that was great advice. And, um, one of the things that I wanted to touch on is, is I think the main reason or, excuse depending on your on your perspective that people may give about not meditating is that they don't have time um we seem to think that we don't have time even though we can easily waste uh half an hour or an even hour looking at social media so how do you encourage new students to find the time to meditate i think it's um a commitment 
that you make, if you make the commitment, you you find the time. And once you do it, once you uh, commit to doing it, you begin to see, you know, one of the benefits of meditation is that it actually organizes your time better. You know, you become more efficient, you become more focused. So, um, it, you know, it has that positive effect, but you have to decide to do it and, and do it. So, you know, we're powerful beings. I, you know, we don't, we, we can decide to do something and just do it. And mm-hmm. so I think that's the most important thing, you know, to, to shift that consciousness from, you know, I can't because of, you know, X, Y, Z. You know, that's nonsense. You know, you're, you're a spiritual being. You, you certainly can meditate. So one of the other um, <laughs> so obstacles. It sounds, like, it sounds like I would say just shape up, right? Just decide <laughs> you're going to do it and do it. <laughs> well, just do what you know you should do. Right. <laughs> as, as, yeah. uh, your teacher always mm-hmm. says, um, Marie Jean Davis. Um, another reason or, or obstacle that people talk about is a busy mind. Um, I hear people say, oh, I can't meditate. My mind is too busy, which is interesting because uh, there's almost an expectation that people who meditate have quiet minds to begin with. Although we know from um, even ancient times, you know, this was, you know, this was, people were quite aware of this. So in the Bhagavad Gita, we hear Arjuna complaining about his busy mind. And uh, I like this particular passage, oh Krishna, the stillness of divine union which you describe is beyond my comprehension. How can the mind which is so restless attain lasting peace? Krishna, the mind is restless, turbulent, powerful, violent. Trying to control it is like trying to tame the wind. Mm. So Yeah, it's a beautiful passage and I especially love Krishna's response to that because I think, oh, Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita is the ultimate therapist because he <laughs> because he he doesn't you know do what I just did which said you know just shape up you know he he says he says. Oh yes, that's true. <laughs> so you can kind of see him, you know, sitting in his chair with his, you know, hand in his head, you know, looking at Krishna in the therapeutic environment saying, "Oh yes, of course, you know. That's true. The mind is very difficult." And then he says, "But it can be done." Mm. And, you know, that's so beautiful, isn't it? You know, he says, yes, oh, yes, that is true. (laughs) But it can be done. So you you get this affirmation that, of course, that is the way that it is. But we also hear it can be done. And and how is it done? You know, and then Krishna uh, proceeds to tell him it's done. Um, really by, by two kind of overarching goals. You know, one is to have a steady practice, you know, begin to learn how to turn your attention within and you can, and you can do it. And the other is, um, to begin to, um, curb your awareness during the day, you know, begin to not be quite so outwardly oriented, quite so caught up in uh, things that disturb the mind, right? So you're really training the mind. So you're doing that during the day. You're, you're noticing, you know, what, what causes you stress and worry and anxiety. And you're learning how not to hang out at those places. So you have to have this kind of um, double-sided practice where you're enhancing your ability um, to uh, anchor your awareness in your essence of being, you know, through turning your attention within during meditation and then during, you know, times during the day when you're inclined to do that, to, you know, dwell in self-remembering. But you're also learning how not to... Go down those dark alleyways, you know, that, um, cause so much anxiety and conflict, uh, in the mind. So you're, you're learning how to curb your attention. Mm. Which is, 
one example of what we were talking about earlier about really meditation being a way of life. And it affects not just the period of time that we're sitting in meditation, but really potentially everything that we do during our day. Yeah, meditation is just a, a tool. You know, meditation is not a cure-all, um, but meditation is so beneficial if we um, use it as a tool um, for, you know, learning how we can live more effectively. It, it's meant to um, enhance our awareness, help us live more effectively. Mm. So we've come to almost the end. There's another two or three minutes. And I was wondering if you wanted to share another poem with us in closing. Oh, okay. Or if you don't, we could (laughs) just talk about something Mm -hmm. else. No, I just just opened the book. um, uh, There's another you know, many, as I said, many of the poems in the book are about the mystical experiences of meditation. Um, and here's one that is called Anahat. Anahat is the Sanskrit term for the heart chakra, the heart center. And it means unstruck. Um, it refers to the Om vibration, the holy word, that eternal resonance of divine presence that's in everyone and everything. So it harkens back to our opening meditation today. And I was inviting uh, the meditation on Om, the primal sound, the vibration of energy that is coursing uh, through everything in the universe, including our own hearts and minds. So this um, poem is an invitation into the heart center, into the stillness um, that is full, you know, within us. Listen with presence. Listen with presence like the fingers of a cellist listen to the strings. Like the moon listens to the sun like a bee listens to the fuchsia bell and loses himself in the whirl like the mind listens to the heart tastes the sound of bliss and meets the self again That's just lovely. That's really meditation, isn't it? That deep listening that allows us to return to the self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with that, we've come to the end of our program. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and we've been joined today by the Yoga Hour's founder, and regular host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, to discuss meditation and meditate for good. This is the fourth of our continuing series on Dharma. And if you missed the first three programs, as I mentioned, you can go to our archive at unity.fm slash the yoga hour. And the dates from the prior programs are September 14th, October 5th, and November 9th. Yogacharya O'Brien is also the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment and Carry the Vision, a secular nonprofit organization dedicated to restoring lives and communities through nonviolence education, creating a peaceful and compassionate world. You can find out more about Yogacharya's many programs by going to her websites, ellengraceobrien.com and csecenter.org. And if you're enjoying these programs on Dharma, I would encourage you to go to the ellengraceobrien.com website and check out this year-long program, which you can start really at any time. It's really wonderful to have you on the show today, Yogacharya, and I look forward to speaking to you again on our next conversation in April. 
Thank you, uh, Dr. Trujillo, for um, hosting this program, making it so lovely to have a conversation about these life-transforming practices of meditation. And I want to offer my thanks to uh, Jeff in the sound room and to Unity Online Radio. It's wonderful to be part of your vibrant network. And again, to all the uh, listeners and subscribers to Yoga Hour, um, it's my pleasure to to be with you and I know that many of you who are listening are practicing and passing on your radiant peace in the world and I bow to you I I am grateful for you so join us next week when our guest will be Frank Ostaseski internationally respected Buddhist teacher co-founder of the Zen Hospice Project founder of the Meta Institute and author of the book The Five Invitations Discovering What Death Can Teach Us About Living Fully The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition you can find out more about CSE at csecenter.org remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Bye. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. Haven't we all stood on the bank of a quiet pond and tossed a stone into the water? Haven't we seen the ripples move outward from the place where the stone entered the water until the whole surface of the pond danced with the movement of energy? Before long, we could no longer clearly see the point where the stone entered the water. My inner environment of thoughts and feelings behaves much like a pond. When I introduce a thought of peace into my mind and heart, that single thought creates a ripple effect that really does change the world. From its beginning point within me, peace ripples out to fill my inner world and continues to move out into the world around me. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org.
It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on UnityOnlineRadio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 